Tonight we kind of done something a little bit different, and I felt like that um, the Lord gave me direction to do so. And of course, all of you, I think, who were, I was, when the Lord brought us back here to First Baptist Hammond, you were aware that God had given us nine children and um, seven boys, two girls. Our oldest son, his name is Tyler Mark Wilkerson, and he was born in the, the February the 27th of 1991. We had um, moved to Long Beach, California, and... Um, to teach as a Christian school teacher, and that's when he was born, and and uh, he became our firstborn. And we certainly loved him, and he uh, we put him in a in a kindergarten in our school there in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, with every expectation that he would continue to go on and graduate from high school. And uh, I wanted to feel I feel like tonight, and to make a long story short, on this day tomorrow. Uh, will be the 14th day, that uh, 14th year that he has spent with the Lord. And we're not the only one to ever lose a child, and we're not the only person to ever lose someone that is dear to us. Many of you have done that. Uh, some of you have done that physically, where you're, someone you love has, has departed. Some of you may have lost someone through rejection or through uh, they're just they're just they're. Uh, astray from you right now, that kind of a thing. Those things happen. But I wanted to take tonight, if I could please, and just introduce you to him. You, he was never a member of this church like our other children have been. Uh, Derek, all the way through to Lacey, who's our 12-year-old now. Uh, they've all grown up here for the most part and uh, were members here. Derek, uh, Tyler never did have that opportunity, and he was... we. we uh, he was born in California. We held him in our arm. That's where he was born at the Kaiser Hospital in Bellflower. And then he spent the first, um, first uh, three years in Long Beach and then moved with us to Baton Rouge for seven years and then moved back to Long Beach as a fourth grader and, uh, and grew up there. Or, uh, is it fourth grader? Yeah, fourth grade. He moved there and lived up there until he was 17 when he went home to be with the Lord. And... Uh, he was uh, basically uh, getting ready to be a senior in high school whenever um, he had worked at a camp that summer and had spent been away from us for about six weeks. And then when he came home, the, um, <clears throat> the uh, youth pastor asked if he would be a part of the junior camp and be a camp counselor, and so he did. Uh, at that time, Linda was the camp cook, so that worked out good. They could spend, God orchestrated where he, she could spend the last week of his life at camp, feeding him extra food and things of that nature. We'd missed him for six weeks, and she enjoyed that time. Has so many memories there. He had come back uh, from camp. He and his brother cleaned the bus out, swept it, sprayed it down, and got it ready for Sunday, and they made their way home. And, and the next day, I was witnessing to a man uh, whose name was Glenn. His wife's name was Tracy Gaskin, and sharing the gospel with them and in and, uh, and their presence and sharing them how to get saved. They were both came to know the Lord as their Savior that afternoon. My phone was ringing while I was witnessing to them, and when I got done witnessing to them, I said, you know, excuse me just for a second. Our, my son is calling me. I called Tyler back, and he said, Dad, he said, our friend Michael uh, and the Medulla family are moving their daughter up to uh, Northern California, up in the Bay Area. She's going to be a school teacher at a Christian school in Redwood City. And they've asked me to go with them to help her move. And then they've got tickets to the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49er game. 
And so we're going to help her move and then go to the game. They're going to go to Brother Trevor's church and then come back for Sunday evening and get back. He said, would you let me go? I'd like to go. And everything within my heart, I missed him so much. I hadn't been with him for that, the weeks at camp and then another week camp. And I just spent one uh, evening there with him. And it was kind of interesting. The Lord had given us a sweet opportunity to spend some time with him. And uh, the night before that, I was reading a book. Linda was doing some things and ironing and doing some things, household things. And he went to us and said, hey, we had a, we had a nine-foot pool in the back of our yard there and deep in and three-foot. And it was a little small kidney pool. But, but we, the kids grew up with it, and we swam back and forth. He said, hey, Mom, Dad, would you come watch me swim? And he put the towel over his shoulder and went out there, and we leaned over a lattice work. And he, he said it was Michael Phelps had won a number of... Uh, of uh, gold medals, and he had swam at the camp. He said, I'm, I'm swimming, I want to, I'll show you my dive. And, and he said, tell me what that was, a six, a five, an eight, you know. And, and he would tell me, you know, he said, did I splash a lot? And we were giving him scores, you know, as we just watched his beautiful six-foot, four-inch body, blonde hair back and forth through the, through the pool. And uh, just, just a very sacred thing now for us as we look back. We did not know that uh, that 26 hours later, he would be in the presence of the Lord. But I said, yeah, just go do that. I'll see you on Sunday. I had a very busy uh, day that next day, and I knew that I had some things I had to do. So I'll see you on Sunday night, and we'll have a good time. I want to do something with him on Monday. And as they traveled up there, they took their time. This family normally would go from point to point quickly, just, just uh, stop, get food in the road, and keep going. The Lord in his very sweet providence gave them just a, an easy trip, just stopped and enjoyed each other's company. And he kept listening to a song in, uh, about heaven. And uh, Linda, what is the name of the song? Do you remember it right now? Thinking about home. Ah, no, I don't think that's it. Yeah, maybe going home. And, um, and he, he was listening to that song, and the guy that was driving, he said, oh, let's play it again. He kept rewinding. He said, stop, that's enough of that song, you know, and, and he kept playing that song. But this, uh, a lady was on the side of the road. She was a nurse in San Jose, and she was, her boyfriend wanted her to go see him a mile, an hour away, and, and the traffic was real bad for her coming out of San Jose, and she had turned around and heading back to San Jose. It was about 1130 at night. And they were, they were arguing on the phone on the side of the road. And she pulled over and talked to him. And she, he said, come, just keep coming back. Visit with me for the weekend. And then she said, I'm, I'm tired. I don't want to go back. And they argued. But finally, after an argument, she just threw the phone down. And she didn't pay attention to people behind her. And she just pulled out. And uh, their car was coming. They, they estimated it was going about seven miles over the speed limit. Nothing major. 62 miles an hour and a 55. And, but it was coming down the hill. And they pulled out in front, and, and uh, my son said to the driver, see, see, the, see the car, see the car. Yeah, I see it, I see it. And the man in the back said, watch, watch, be careful. And he said, okay, we're going to go around. And they went to go around, and the lady just turned, and you U-turn as they were going around and hit the back of her car. It ricocheted up on the hill. It flipped over one time, and uh, went as far as you could do, flipped over, landed on its tires. At the conclusion of the accident, the driver was uninjured. The man in the back was uninjured. Uh, but Tyler was slumped over the door, and he had a seatbelt on. It had stretch marks on it, but uh, the something in the incident um, broke his ribs, both rib, a rib over here and a rib here. One went in two. 
his right uh, lung and caused him to aspirate the other one into his heart muscle itself. And on the side of the road is interesting to us. And we're so thankful that God was so gracious. Uh, the people going behind them, they were nurses, and they stopped, and they gave him immediately attention. Uh, ambulance not coming to response to that. There were ambulances that were called, but an ambulance not coming to the accident just happened to be right next. They quickly come out. They did everything they could do to shock him and to get his heart going again and to do CPR with a little bit more mechanics. None of that was successful. They had an helicopter coming from San Jose to come and airlift him out, and they called him and said, it's no need, you don't need to do that. And it was a very traumatic time for us. We got a call about 2.39 in the morning, about uh, two and a half hours later from the coroner, and just said that uh, there's been an accident, your son's involved, and the driver is fine, the man in the back is okay, but your son sustained fatal injuries. And, of course, that is a painful thing, and I'm not the only parent to ever hear that, and... Uh, but it happened to us. Someone said if all of our trials were hung out on the line, at the end of the day, you'd pick your trials and I'd pick mine. We all have heartaches and difficulties. But tonight I want to talk to you a little bit, if I can, about how, what are some things the Lord helped us with as we worked in the aftermath of that uh, scenario. But I want you to see a little bit, it's a little bit long, maybe 13 minutes or so, of Tyler's life. Some of you would not know him. You'll see that some he may have some similarities of some of his other siblings. And of course, Lacey was not born when he passed away. She was born after that. Mason is just a little uh, little infant during the time. And he knew he, he, he loved to be with Tyler. Tyler loved to hold him. But uh, for the most part, it was Derek who was right next to him. They shared a room together. And uh, then, of course, Preston and, um, and Lydia and then Drew and Coleman underneath that. But I hope that you will find a, maybe be a little bit, bit of uh, just to, so you can have a, a picture of who he is. And then we'll come and talk, if we can, please, out of this pastor's scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Song. 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 Song.
Snake and can't destroy. You know that's destroy. Happiness will flow. 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 All because I know that soon, when I run the race, I shall see his face far beyond the blue. Tyler Markey at two years and 11 months old. Today is February the 5th, 1994. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt his worth a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn and I had a lot of fun this year at camp. Thank you, Brother Torres, for having the camp. And um, we put the Adam Soto's in here. Thank you for making us run the hill. And um, I've made a decision to go to second base in life. Um, Brother Will preached on three bases in baseball, and he preached, number one, first base is salvation, second base is um, separation, and third base is service. And I've, I've known I've been saved, and now I want to separate the bad from the good. And uh, 
the dross from the gold. Thank you a lot.
Tyler. This is Lydia. I miss you very much. I wish you were here right now. When I am sad, I think about heaven, and I know you are with Jesus. I love you, Tyler. Hi, Tyler. This is Preston. Thank you for being such a great influence on me and being such a great brother. I will miss you so much. Can't wait to see you again. Hey, Tyler, this is Derek. I just want to thank you for all the good memories had and the long talks. Thanks for the good advice. Thanks for being a good influence on me and sharing a room. I'm so glad we had all those good times together. Thanks for letting me go with you on small little things that maybe were small to you, but they were big to me, like fishing with you. Thanks for everything. I love you, and I'm glad I'll see you in heaven. Tyler, you have made me so proud. I have so many sweet memories of the last 17 years with you. I can't imagine what our home will be like without you, but I know Jesus loves you, and you're okay. You're safe. And you don't hurt. And you feel so loved by God. Tyler, I feel his love too. More today than I ever have before. You were chosen. I can't wait to see you. And Derek and Preston, Lydia, Coleman, Drew, Mason, and Judson. Daddy and I will miss you so much. To know we'll be together again comforts me. Thank you for your encouragement. For every time you said, Mom, you're the best for getting so excited when I made your favorite food. Thank you for the hugs in the hallway and being so concerned if I was okay or if I needed anything. Your sweet, submissive spirit to do whatever Daddy and I wanted you to do made me so pleased. I'm so thankful God gave you to us, but I know heaven is more wonderful because heaven is where you are. I love you. Thank you for allowing us to share that with you. And, of course, those were in the fresh moments of uh, the last, uh, just uh, we had a week between the time he passed away until his service. And um, so many people, Dwight Fargo was obviously in the mix of that, helping us prepare for that. You may have seen some of the pictures there, Brother Antonio and Brother Jerry Vargo, his wife was singing the choir, so many other sweet friends that loved us and helped us. And you did too, uh, Brother Scott quickly uh, wrote us a note from you and sent us uh, a love gift that you took on a Wednesday night. And we thank you very much for your kindness to us, very, very much. Well, that, you know, obviously a loss is very real to every one of us. And uh, all of us, if we keep living, we're going to lose someone. Some of you have lost your mom, your dad, your spouse. Some of others of you have lost your child, and you know exactly. I don't know how you felt, but I know how I felt whenever uh, we said goodbye to someone we love. And uh, God knows what it's like to lose a son. He knows what it's like to lose a child, and he helped us, and he'll help anybody. But what do you do whenever you feel like you don't know what to do? What do you do when you hurt so bad? And as I think about that story today, or just the idea, and I I know the service is not about Tyler, it should not even be about me or Miss Linda, but we want to be about what God's trying to accomplish. But it should remind us, first of all, you matter in your family and you matter in your world. Uh, To everyone that sang in choir with Tyler, it was very big. It was their, their hurt. Those of you who are older siblings, you have a great... You can listen to those kids talk about their brother at that time, 14 years ago. 
He, he, everything, little things he did, taking for ice cream, being a good testimony, submitting to their mom and dad, uh, very important at times of loss. And I think all of us can be motivated by those things. But obviously that morning, whenever we heard about it, it was 2.39 in the morning, and, Ma, and Linda and I decided it would not be best for us to call and wake up Grandma and Grandpa Francis or my mom. My dad had already preceded Tyler in death. And, um, but didn't want to wake up someone in the middle of the night like we've been woken up and tell them. So basically for about three hours we stayed uh, and we read the Bible. We thought about the memories. We thought about what to do, how to tell the children, the other kids as they would wake up one after the one after the other. Lots of things that we had to evaluate. But in the aftermath of that, those hours, several things came to my mind. Number one was Second Corinthians chapter 1. I had been studying all week on the Holy Spirit, our comforter. It was my Sunday morning message, and God gave me grace to preach on the message. I cried most of the way through it, but I did preach it because I felt like God had prepared me already, and, and it's what our church needed, and it's what the Lord let us do. But 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where it talks about God, the God of all comfort, he comforts us so that we can comfort others who are going through similar trials. And uh, someone says, you can't really care till you've been there. And you can care if you're not there, but it certainly helps when someone goes through something and they say, God, help me, and he can help you. Another passage of scripture was Psalm 115, verse number three. I'd been in someone's location when Brother Arby Ouellette said this. He quoted verse three, our God is in the heaven. He hath done whatsoever he please, whatever he wants to do. And I found my place to that, to Psalm 115, and began to think about uh, several things about the God of heaven. But as you think about this, I want to just give you a couple of thoughts, and then we'll look at a few, a few scriptures. Because every one of us, and this is not our last trial, it may not even be our biggest trial. I don't like to say that out loud, but it's true. There are more trials in the life and times of John and Linda Wilkerson that are still going to come. There are trials in your life. You don't know what they are, and I don't know what they are. But God is a very faithful God, and he prepares us. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, the apostle Paul said, we despaired even of life. He said, we were pressed beyond measure, because I didn't think I could take anything else. And sometimes when you're going through a trial, that's exactly how you feel. You're like, can I take? I don't think I can take anymore. And I'm pressed beyond measure. That's Paul says, I can tell you, because I really, we didn't think we were going to make it. It was very difficult. But God did several things in Paul's heart, and he's done several things in the hearts of anyone who believes on him. So tonight I'd like to just share with you a couple of thoughts. Number one, trials are universal. Sorrow, trials, pain, everyone has them. And some may have them in different seasons of their life, but everybody has them. And they're universal. Everybody, doesn't matter if you live in America or you live in Africa or you live in Australia or Korea or North Korea or China, wherever you are, trials are very common to humanity. We live in a fallen world, a world that is tainted heavily by sin and corruption. And every time, the wages of sin is death. It brings death to relationships. It brings death to potential and it certainly even separates us in this lifetime from our loved ones. Every time someone dies physically, it's because of death or because of sin. 
Every, the reason people go to hell forever is because of the second death, and they did not uh, get their salvation settled. I'm glad that Tyler got saved in his fourth grade classroom on his 10th birthday. And I think about that. Of course, he was exposed to the gospel many, many times as a young man, many junior churches, many um, Sunday school classes, church services, Saturday soul when you meet him. I'm so glad for a Christian school. Linda and I have been paying tuition for our kids to go to school since Tyler went to the kindergarten. And I still pay tuition today uh, as an investment and in, in, uh, understanding that, that that's important. I'm so glad I paid tuition on that year that he got saved. I'm glad he was there in school in a Christian atmosphere where God dealt with his heart and he came to know the Lord as his Savior. At that hour, we thought he already probably had gotten saved and, and realized that he wasn't and he got it settled. And I'm so glad for that. But trials are universal, number one. Number two, our understanding of the God of heaven is very important for how you handle the trials in your future. Um, Faith is the most important thing about us. And uh, you have trials ahead of you and we have trials ahead of me. And our understanding of who God is really is paramount. When people have a problem and they don't handle it right, usually it's a faith problem. They do not have a proper understanding of God. Brother Hiles would say to us oftentimes when I was here in college, I remember many things he would say, but I especially remember them, take God off trial. How many members say hearing that before? Don't, don't every time you have a problem, put God on trial and say, why did you do this? And answer this question and tell me why this happened and all that stuff. Hey, listen, our God is in the heavens. He doesn't owe us anything, not even an explanation. Now, he is very gracious to us. But understanding your God is very important to you and your perspectives on how you deal with hurts, pain, sorrow, and separation. Now, you can have a God of your own imagination. People will say to me, my God would not send someone to hell. My God would not make someone die and go to hell forever. And that's fine. They can believe that. I've had people say, my God's a doorknob. Or my God is in the wilderness. Or I'm my own God. They can say all they want to say. But we have to decide, are we going to believe the God of our own imagination? Are we going to believe what God says about God? And what you believe about God is very, very important. Let me a few things the Bible tells us about God. Number one, he says that God is good. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. God's good. Was he good on that moment when we got off the phone with the corner? Yes, sirree. Was he good when your spouse passed away? Yes, he was good. Was he good when you got fired from your job? Yes, he was still good. Was he good when your dad passed or when your mom and dad divorced? He was still the same God. He is a good God. He's good and you can trust him. I would say not only is God good, but he is gracious. Can I encourage you to take your Bibles? We're, we're staying in second, hold your finger in Second Corinthians chapter 1, but would you please go to Psalm 115? It's 728, and I'm going to do my best just to share just a few thoughts here. I thank you for allowing us to share this thing, and I want it to be a help to you. I, I, I don't want to waste suffering. 
and, and I, I don't want to highlight our lives. I just want to, I want to help friends because I know that many of us, you're still struggling with trials. You're still looking in the rearview mirror. You haven't, you haven't reconciled the God of the Bible with your problem. You've still got him up against the wall, and you've got God on the mat because your loved one passed, and you still don't understand why. You, you're still single, and you don't understand why. You didn't get what you thought you would have. You weren't where you were. You've got unfulfilled expectation. Something's not the way it was supposed to be. You got laid off whenever you should, your boss should have kept you. There's all kinds of things that happen in our lives. They're very, very difficult, painful. And uh, you, you listen, but, but a lot of it, we have to look at through the lens of who God is. Number one, he's good. Number two, he is sovereign. Now, I'm not a hyper-Calvinist, but let me just tell you something. I believe, if I have ever believed, that there is a God working in and among the affairs of men right as we speak. I don't think you can believe the Bible and not see that. I don't think he picks one person to go to heaven and another person to go to hell. I disagree with that, or he wouldn't say whosoever will. But I do believe that God is working in our world today. I believe he's working in your life. He's working in my life. He knows the future better than I can remember five minutes ago. And I can trust him. Psalm 115, if you look at it, let's look at verse number three and read it out loud with me, if we could, please, because it's an answer to people. Look at verse one. It says, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory and thy mercy for thy truth's sake. Wherefore, should the heathen say, where is now their God? When he goes through problems, that is a question. I remember being stopped on the street one day about maybe six months after Tyler passed away. And this guy was a perfect stranger to me. I didn't know him. I didn't think he knew me. But he stopped me on the street and he said to me, you're the pastor of that church, aren't you? I said, yes, I am. How are you? He goes, I'm fine. He said, he said uh, you lost a son, didn't you? I said, yes, I did. How did you know that? He said, that's not important. What's important, I want to know, is where's your grief, buddy? Where's your grief? How can you have a smile on your face? How can you do that? And I found out that he had lost a loved one. But he didn't know Jesus. He didn't have the comforter on the inside of him. But oftentimes when you go through a trial, nothing platforms you like a trial. Nothing puts you on a, on, for everyone to see you like going through a difficult situation. And the heathen will say, where is God? Especially when you go through a difficult time. Would you read verse 3? Here's the answer. Are you ready, everyone? But our God... Yeah, our God is in the heavens. He said their idols are silver and gold. Everybody else worships something that's not true. They don't have ears, but they can't hear. They have feet, but they can't walk, so forth and so on. Verse number 15, you are blessed of the Lord, which hath made heaven and earth. The heavens, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord. Verse 17, or any that go down to silence. I will bless, we will bless the Lord from this time forth, forevermore praise the Lord. I think you have to understand who God is. Number one, he's good. Number two, he's gracious. Number three, he's sovereign. That means he makes decisions. He makes the rules. We play the game by his rules. We are, we are the, we're the pot. He's the potter. We're the clay. He does what he wants to do. 
And whatever God does, he does it well. One of the things I love about the book of Mark, and it says he hath done all things well. He does good. And if you think differently, you need to change your thinking. Don't try to change God. You're not going to be able to change him. If you've got some sorry thinking about God, you're the one that needs to adjust. God's not going to change his thinking about himself. And learning to trust his goodness, his grace, his sovereignty, his decisions are very, very important. Trust your, your children to him. Trust your decisions, your hurts, your pains, your difficulty. Throw it back on to him. Let's look at another thing about that. Would you look at chapter 16, 116? This is a beautiful thought to me. And I'll just for sake of time, verse 4, Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Would you read verse 5? This is a highlighted verse. If you ever had one, ready? Gracious. Well, the Bible says the Lord preserveth the simple, and I was brought low, and he helped me. There's three concepts in verse 5. The Lord is gracious. Number two, the Lord is right. That means he always, never made a mistake. The day that our family went through difficulty, there wasn't, wasn't a mistake. The difficulty, you finding out that your child has a long-term disease, that's not a mistake. Finding out that you, you have, you've had a heartache or a difficulty, that's not, there's nothing, God didn't fall off his throne. He is right, he's gracious, and he's very merciful. Learning to have the right opinion about God before you have a problem is extremely important. Who is God? He's good, he's gracious, he's righteous, he's sovereign. And he he doesn't owe us an explanation. I said that already. Trust him. Well, I want to ask God why. When I get to heaven, I'm going to tell God why. No, you're not. No, you're not. You won't need to do that. But don't waste your time trying to figure out why now. Maybe a better question instead of why this happened to me is, Lord, what do you want me to do? Just what the Apostle Paul, once he found out who was talking to him, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That'd be a thing we could pray all the time. When you have a problem, a difficulty, a hurt, a disappointment, ask the Lord, God, what do you want? What do you want me to respond? How do you want me to respond? What do you want me to do? If you get anger or impulses, that's not the right thing. The, right, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. When you have bitterness, that's not the right thing. If you have fear, that didn't come from the Lord. There are some things that God wants to reveal to us, but we must have a right opinion of God. And then I will just say lastly about God, he never wastes suffering. I can waste it, and you can waste it. Let me tell you how you waste suffering, how I can waste suffering, is when I make my problem about how it affects me. Many people fall in love with grief. Like Jacob, he refused to be comforted. Many folks would rather be known by what they lost. They put all their stuff out there on social media. They're trying to get everyone to agree with them and to to see their hurt and their difficulties. And they're wasting the gift that God gave them the confidence that God put in them. God will never waste suffering, but I can and you can. And suffering hurts too bad to waste it. Too bad to make it about me and make it about you. You need to make your suffering about what God is trying to accomplish. 
And we know that all things work together for to them who love God, to who them who are called according to his. Every trial is a temporary trial. It's, it, whatever happens uh, is temporary. You got cancer, it's temporary. You got someone who left you and left you in a lurch and left you hurt. You got money that's stolen from you, it's temporary. You have financial reversal, that's temporary. It's not going to always be that way. For the child of God, every problem is a temporary trial, and trials come in seasons, and they come for reasons. If you'll trust the Lord through them and see his great benefit. In closing, I want you to go back, if you would please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and let's look at this, and then we, I, will, I will cease to continue the service tonight. Apostle Paul is telling he that he was pressed out of measure. That means it was just, it was too much. He's like, I just can't take it. And he despaired even of life. He said, this, was, this one was just over the top. How many of you have ever, have ever said that to yourself? I think this is too much. I'm done. i got to quit. This is a, all, all of us probably sometime. Well, that's how Paul was. He said, when I was in Asia, I was pressed out of measure. I was done. Put a fork in me. It was over. I, just, I would rather die. It was a hope of dying that kept me alive. That <laughs> I just want to be done with it. He said, but what happened? I got help from three sources. I want you to look at it real quickly and I'll conclude. But look, if you would please, at verse number nine. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. He said, we thought we were dead. But that we should not trust in who? But in whom? Which raised the dead. So if he can raise you the dead, can he do anything else? The resurrection is a big deal. And he said, if he raised Jesus from the dead and he's going to raise us from the dead, then, then we can trust him. And I want you to look, number, letter, letter, or number 10, verse 10. Who delivereth us from great, a great, so great a death? And who doth deliver in whom we trust that he will deliver us? Strength in difficult seasons of life comes first of all from God himself. The one who raised Jesus from the death can help you through anything. Whatever it is you're going through, he can help you. The lonely nights of crying yourself to sleep, the, the, the Lord, what do you want me to do? I can't take this. I can't, I'm, I'm messed up too bad, or this is messed up too bad, or I'm in, in a hole of no hope. God can help you. He's there. If he, can, if he can raise Jesus from the dead, if he can send his son, if he can, if he can give you a resurrection, he can do anything else. So that he's the one who will deliver us. He's the one who helps us. So our first help comes from God himself. The second source is very unique. Look at verse number 11, would you? What's the first word you see in verse 11? He, who is he talking to here? He's talking to a church, the church at Corinth. He said, God helped me when I was pressed beyond measure, and you helped me, the church family. What did they do to help us? Ye also helping together by what? Prayer. You know, when I, when I listened to Brother Ricky tonight, he said, you guys didn't go to camp, but you were at camp. How? Through prayer. Yeah. So, Pastor, when we go to have prayer in church, is that all that real necessary? It's very necessary. I think if you talk to Brother and Mrs. Hoffman tonight, they would say, oh, man, of all the things that happened, we just want someone to know where someone's praying for us during a difficult season. He said the church helped us by praying for us. Look at the next part of that verse, verse 11. You prayed for us, and that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, 
thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Not only did the church pray for him, they gave financially to him. They supported him in a difficult season. Whenever we have Wednesday night offering, I would encourage you, every time you come Wednesday night, come and bring a gift. Because you don't know who's going to help. Last week we helped Reno Likens. I texted him and told him we were going to help him. He goes, oh, man, that is so sweet of your church. I know that Carla's nervous about this, but that'll be a great blessing. Thank you very much. Are we praying for him? Yes. Giving to him? That's the second thing. He said, you guys, when I was pressed beyond measure, God helped me, but you helped me. You helped me by praying for me, and you helped by bestowing a gift to me. And that's something all the church we can do. We There's no way one of us can help everybody, but all of us together can do something. And we can be a blessing. When there's an offering to be taken, when there's love to be given, let's do it. Because there's help that comes to people in hurtful times. Then I want you to look at the last concept, verse number 12. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our what? Conscience. He said, "I, I rejoice in this. That while before we were going through the problem, and while we were going through the problem, we had a testimony of our conscience. Now, your conscience is yours to keep. Apostle Paul said that this morning, Acts chapter 23, he said, I, I've lived in good conscience between God and man. And the guy slapped him in the face. But, but he was saying, you know what? If your conscience, my, my, my stepfather used to say to, my, to me about my mother. He said, John, pray for me. Your mother's conscience is bothering me. And he's just joking around <laughs> But, um, <clears throat> but the truth of the matter is, uh, your conscience is yours to keep clean. And in First, P- First Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he said, Now the end of the command, once all said and done, the reason I gave you the Bible, so you would love God and others out of a pure heart. You have a clean conscience, and you have a faith that is real. And some of you tonight, I don't know who you are, but you know, and God knows, your conscience is not clean between God and between others. You got someone, you close your eyes tonight, you'll be thinking about what they did, what they said, how they responded. And you can keep that, or you can deal with that. But he said, you know one of the things that help you when you go through a trial is that your conscience is clean. Nothing blurs decision-making like interpersonal, uh, interpersonal and blurs your vision to make good decisions and fogs up your, 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 your windshield of your, of your life's vehicle like interpersonal problems with someone else you won't deal with. You're not good with your neighbor. You're upset with somebody. You just, you wish they were dead. And I, I can't help but think that somebody might have that issue. But you just, you got someone that hurt you so bad that you feel like you have, a, you have a problem. And you know what? You can keep your conscience not right with that person and you can keep it not right with God. But you're fooling yourself and I'm fooling myself if I think I can be right with God and wrong with someone else. And he said here, he said, what really helped me when I was pressed beyond measure, not only God of heaven, not only the local church who prayed for me and gave to me, but the fact that my testimony and my conscience was, was, was treated with two things. Would you look at it real quickly? See what it says in verse 12? He says, for our, con- our rejoicing is this, that the testimony of our conscience is that in simplicity and godly what? Not with fleshly wisdom. It's not logical. It's not just everything that, that Dr. So-and-so says. But by the grace of God, God's help, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly toward you. 
A godly testimony helps you as much as anything when you're going through a problem. And since you've got problems in your future, and I do too, we ought to depend upon the Lord. We ought to be faithful to the house of God. And we ought to have a testimony that is simple and sincere without offense in our conscience toward God or anybody else. And since you've got problems coming down, and I don't know when they're going to be, they may not, never come. Maybe Jesus will come tonight. How many would say amen to that? Everybody except for those wanting to get married. That's what they don't. All of us are happy for God to come back. However, I would just say that you want to keep a life that's pure, a conscience that's clean, and simplicity and sincerity. And that's yours to decide. I can't be sincere for you. You can't be sincere for me. But these are things that are antidotes and help in our difficult times. Let's uh, pray together, can we?